So before we all hit record, um, we I'm already hearing... hit record, Chelsea. It's just Chelsea. Well, why did was, you not record gonna... if we were clapping? Hey, you asshole! I was gonna talk. <laughs> I was telling the. <laughs> wow. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. This is, of course, episode three of season three. It feels like it's episode 9000 because it feels like this season will just drag on forever. And yet here we are, only week three, and on our uh, newest OC rewatch journey. My name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from a very, uh, I would say temperate, a very nice August evening. Yeah, in Oklahoma it's City, wonderful. Oklahoma. Yeah, it um, it was like seventy five degrees today, and that's coming after <laughs> that's coming after three <laughs> weeks of like straight one hundred degree weather. Yeah, Chelsea, do you want to punt? Should we start again? <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. Hello oh, and welcome kidding. back to the Coens. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's very nice. I got to go running today. It's been it's been a nice it's been a nice two days in Oklahoma. So I'm sure we're buckling up for something insane to happen this week. Um, and by that I mean Dylan's gonna melt in the humidity because mm-hmm. it's only it's only like 75 degrees and he's already wearing like his he's slowly morphing into like a Ryan Atwood wife beater situation. <laughs> and since we're talking about him. Let's just say hello, because we have to, contractually, to Dylan Irwin. Season three, episode three, triples are best, baby. Triples are best. I do want to <laughs> remind everyone, before we get how started. It, how is it I've seen literally one clip of, and I it's think that you clip? should leave, and it's the Bob Odenkirk clip. Yeah. Oh, you got to watch the ghost, the ghost house, the haunted house tour. I'll send that to you. I'll send it in chat, and you can watch it mid-podcast. Can't wait. Um, I will. I will say that I just want to remind everyone at the top that Chili did kill somebody, um, and uh-huh. we don't forget. Yeah, we never forget. <laughs> Seth Cohen did nothing wrong. Chili did everything wrong. Uh, I would like to also say hello and welcome back to the leader of this show, our uh, CEO, the heiress of Tulsa, the queen of constipation, of course. <laughs> It's Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. Hey, guys. How you doing? I am great. I didn't hate these episodes. I'll be real. <laughs> I got to be real as well. I'm st- I'm pleasantly... I think that I set the bar so low for season three that I'm pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised with how much I enjoy it outside of the Johnny stuff. Specifically, the Seth and Summer stuff I'm very into. It's so good. Yeah. It is so good. There was good. a couple of scenes in these two episodes that I was just like loving it. I laughed out loud it, a couple of times. Yeah. Seth Cohen made me laugh out loud a couple of times in these episodes. Oh, baby. I can't so wait to I tell really you So I really like it. this season for Seth and Summer because it's no longer a will they or won't they. Like they're settled in their relationship for the most part. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of them navigating things as a couple. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, cool. no, there's no Zach. Mm-hmm. There or is, Anna. But there is now a Matt Ramsey who I feel like is not, he doesn't interfere in their um, relationship, but he's like the next, he's like the next progression of Zach, I feel like. He's like, he, he he's looks Zach, just like him. He looks Zach just like him. plus Lance. I actually Stop have saying him. that everyone looks like Lance. <laughs> <laughs> it's Zach plus Lance. The dude doesn't blink. What is it about the OC having to have one character that doesn't blink at any given time? I agree that Matt looks like he looks similar to Zach in the same way that I think the Dean looks similar to Chili. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Dean and Chili do look alike. Face Weird. families. We talked about this last week. Speaking of things we talked about last week, I would like to start a uh, maybe possibly a new weekly segment at the top of the show here. Which uh, basically is just corrections, things that uh, I noticed when we record when I was editing last week's episode that I felt like we needed to address <laughs> that in this week's episode. 
<laughs> because I'm sure people, because we were wrong about some things, and I'm sure people will let us know about that um, if they listen to the show, which I get, <laughs> which I don't think they are. But <laughs> scream into the void. Uh, the first thing I wanted to, to correct was we talked about the pronunciation of Kauai versus Kauai, and it turns out it's actually pronounced Kauai. Um, Julie Hawaii. Cooper. What Julie, rhymes with Hawaii? Julie Cooper was correct, um, and I got my pronunciation. I I called it Kauai because of. There's a Donald Glover, there's a Childish Gambino song where he talks about drinks in Kauai. And I just assumed that he would know more than Julie Cooper, but I was wrong. Um, and wow. Julie was right. It is Kauai. Um, Walla. Mahalo for that clarification. Yeah. Um, also, we talked about uh, why Caitlin was not at her parents' weddings, la- parents' wedding last week, why she didn't show up. And I feel like, Chelsea, you were very like offended about this. Um, yeah. And as I was thinking was about ridiculous. it, as I was thinking about it, I just had a moment of realization that like both of my parents have gotten remarried in the last decade and I did not go to either of their ceremonies. Oh, dear. Ooh, yeah. Podcast Caitlin. And it's not like there's <laughs> there's no there's no beef with me and my parents. I love my parents. I see them almost every day. Uh, but yeah, no, I didn't go to either of their ceremonies. Well, did they just did they just get married in front of like the Justice of the Peace? Like what was their or did they go away to get married? My mom got married. Um, in like a very small kind of justice of the peace ceremony, they invited me. They're like, "You can, we're going married tomorrow afternoon. If you can come, if you want." And I was like, "I'm good." And they're like, "Great." And I saw him that evening. That was it. I, I have a thing. Mm. Yeah. And then my dad got married in Taos, New Mexico. They had like a mm. small ceremony, and he invited me to go. And I was like, "Yeah, I really don't want to go to Taos right now." <laughs> He's like, "Great. <laughs> okay. Perfect." And we're fine. Damn. So anyway, uh, shout out to the Foster sisters, Aaron and Sarah Foster. I said their show was called Almost Famous. The show is called Barely Famous. And the, I have a note for a correction that says Chelsea versus the Bakehouse, but I don't even know what that means. <laughs> the Bakehouse? I don't know what the Bakehouse is, but I have it on my corrections list. I don't know what it means. Do they think I'm high? It's they. It's me. I made these corrections, but I don't think you're high. I, I do think you're, I think you're high not on weed. Oh, well, I'm neither. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying a... Um, a, a less anxiety medicine existence as Ooh. of lately. Good for you. Are you no longer a Lexa professional? Wow. I, <laughs> that was unnecessary, Dylan. Hey, I still, hold, for. I still hold it down. I'm 10 mils, baby. <laughs> Turns out Dylan's been pilled out the whole time. I am so yeah. pilled out. You don't want to know me without my medicine. It's like, I want to get one of those shirts like, don't you wouldn't like me before my coffee. I want you wouldn't like me before my Lexapro. That's my new shirt idea. That can be a podcast well, shirt. That's kind of how I've been feeling lately. But, you know, Ooh, I'm a wean myself off and I'm a much more balanced person now, I hope. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> You're killing it. Uh, Dylan, you had your finger up a minute ago like you wanted to say something. I just wanted to point out that every single one of those, out of every single one of those corrections and omissions, uh, none of them had to do with me. Um, so I remain undefeated. Oh, I did have another. I had another correction, actually. Dylan said everything, and I, I, want, I wish I could edit it all out, but unfortunately I could not. With so just silence. Yeah. Just bleep. Sound just bleep like- out. It's just bleep. <laughs> As you're reading your recap, it's just like 20 minutes of a sensor bleep. <laughs> Um, ambient David Lynch sounds in the background. Yep. Uh, anyway, that's it. Let's get into uh, the next two episodes, shall we? Let's do it. We'll start with episode number five, The Perfect Storm, which features Sandy Cohen on screen for eight minutes and 43 seconds. Dylan, tell me more. Oh, my gosh. The Perfect Storm occurred on November 3rd, 2005, and 6.65 million viewers were caught in its sway. This episode was written by Mike Kelly. I feel like Mike Kelly has written other episodes that I've enjoyed, but I'm just too lazy to, like, make a spreadsheet of them. I eventually will. 
um, along with figuring out what the most watched and the least watched OC episodes um, are. But that's going to be, I guess, more bonus content. But you guys want to talk about this episode? Yes. I also want to just quickly say that both of these episodes were pretty terrible for music moments. Yeah. Okay. But they were great for everything else. Sure. So. Let's talk about the perfect storm. <clears throat> Uh-oh, everyone. Kirsten's cooking, and the gang is understandably confused. She's thrown out the cereal, she's thrown out the bagels, and instead she's serving eggs benedict gruyere avec pâté de fruit, which is pretty much just eggs and fruit. I don't understand why she had to say it like that. Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. It was like, uh, it was like, like a jello like mold. Uh, I speak French, bro. It looked exactly like she just turned upside down like a, a thing of like the fruit suspended in jello and just plopped it on everyone's plate. Isn't that upside down? That would have been like, a lot easier. It's like an upside down cake. But also mm-hmm. it looked okay. Like it looked like I would have I would have eaten it. I would have enjoyed it. And it had um it reminded me of when Julie made Caleb at fancy dinner and he like just threw that fancy breakfast and he just like threw it away in the garbage. Oh, he was, I remember he was wearing was an awful. awesome shirt too when he did that. Yeah, and because the kids are both just like looking at it like I don't want this and then Ryan even says let's hit the drive through on the way to school and I'm like that's so fucked up like poor Kirsten. Yeah. So I, uh, well, first of all, it might look good now, but I would 100% not eat that when I was in high school. I actually found a list of my preferred breakfast foods. I'm not, I'm not kidding about this. And my mom still has it taped. I'm sorry. Why, why was ever, why was there ever a list? Because my mom was like, Dylan, come up with some things that you like for breakfast and write them down, which I think was just a Dylan, you're driving me insane. Go do this task kind of thing. And so I went and did the task and I looked at my list. (laughs) Wait, does that work? Can I start doing that? Yeah, what do you think this podcast is? This is my task. So I was looking at the list, though, and, like, my breakfast, no joke, was peanut butter crackers, cinnamon rule, spelled R-O-O-L, and a hot dog. Uh-uh. Hot so dog? So I would have hot dogs for breakfast. I, okay, a favorite, I absolutely love Thailand <laughs> because in Thailand they serve hot dogs for breakfast, and they're delicious. They're special. They're different than our hot dogs here, but they look exactly the same except smaller, so they look kind of like coney Wait. dogs. Wait, 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 wait. Little Smokies? They, they are different. No, you just said Smokies. you just said they you just said they're different, but they look exactly the same. So what's different about them? Are they breakfast sausages? Well, I realize that there are like sm- like small hot dogs are called are they coney dogs? It's a breakfast sausage. We eat those. So here. basically in Thailand they serve coney dogs for breakfast and they're delicious. When I was there, I mean I ate like six of them a morning and then I couldn't shit the entire time I was there. It was an ordeal. Constipation but- Queen <laughs> Welcome to this week's new segment, Constipation Queen. Hey, I'm out there giving visibility to an underheard community of the world. Constipated yeah. people are what underrepresented? <laughs> Is that what you think? Yeah, they're a marginalized group. Wow. They're yeah. like, we got the girl from Kids Bop representing us now. This is great. <laughs> Shirt number two. Yeah. <laughs> Kids Bop and constipation. Hashtag not everybody poops. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway, shout out to Coney okay. Dogs, I guess. So we have this really Coney, nice. Coney 2012. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. to causes that large groups of white people cared about and then forgot about that drives me insane um speaking of things white people don't care about ryan and seth did not care about the breakfast so they didn't eat it Mm -hmm. um sandy walks in he's not really excited about the breakfast because he didn't have his bagels and schmear luckily he manages to get a call from dr kim before he has to partake or put forth any opinion whatsoever 
Turns out Hot Dean has attached a note to Ryan's transcript regarding, quote, I'm so glad that we're almost out of the Hot Dean woods with you. Oh, dude, this is like, this is the last Hot Dean episode, so I I have to say Hot Dean as many times, you know, so anyway, Hot Dean attached a note to Ryan's transcript regarding his, quote, unquote, pathologically violent behavior. Mm. Um, So the college fair should be fun for Ryan. Q Phantom Planets, California. Skip intro. Yeah, is we, the permanent so once, record once, like a real thing? A permanent record? I've never seen my permanent Didn't record. Didn't we talk about this in like the first episode that like they're like Ryan has like a record or something and we're like, what does that mean? Did we talk about this or did I make this up? Or maybe it was maybe it was during the Oliver episodes. Oh, yeah, because so. they're like Oliver has notes in his transcript or something. We're like, whoever looks at this for anything, I don't remember. I feel like we have talked about this for some reason. But yeah, his permanent record has notes from the dean now, but it's like, I don't know. Oh, when, when they were talking about this, it reminded me when I was in elementary school, uh, my best friend's uh, mom was the librarian. So sometimes I'd stay after school and like help my oh, teacher. Dang. And I feel like I was like in her office and saw some filing cabinet with everyone's name on it. And like, I'm sure that's just where she kept everyone's papers before she passed them out. But to me, that was irrefutable proof that the permanent record was a real thing. And especially we were all watching Doug at that period. <laughs> and uh, the principal, was it Principal Bone? What was his name? No way. That, it was, it was not Principal Bone. Yeah, no way. I think it was. I think it was Mr. Bone. It was Bone. absolutely not Principal Bone. Mr. I Bone. <laughs> no way. I remember the neighbor was Mr. Bluff, God. right? I mean, Bluffington? Bluff and Bone. No. No, the, the, the neighbor was Mr. Dink. Yeah. Mr. Dink? Mr. Dink. That's right. That's right. Mr. That's and then whenever he came on stage, his, his play in music was always like, dark, 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 dark. remember? Yeah, kind totally of. remember that. This is Chelsea versus yeah. the Big House happening in real time. <laughs> it was very, uh, was it Tchaikovsky? Who was it that, um, you know, you, we watched Peter and the Wolf every year and we learned about like uh, play and music that followed storylines during operas and such. I don't know what wow. you just said, but I do have some breaking news. Chelsea is 100% correct. It was Principal Lamar Bone. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, there you go. I still got it. <laughs> the dunk. The- Still, the it being Doug knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't so. poop, but ask me about 1996 television show, cartoon shows. Well, when you sit in there trying to make something happen, you got to go down some Wikipedia rabbit hole, and Chelsea's exactly. is Doug. Shout out to the beats. Get on YouTube and watch clips. <laughs> Banging on a trash can, drumming on a streetlight. IU kill a tofu. Oh my gosh, that was a badass! And doesn't BB Bluff, BB Bluff in that video with them? I think so, but. Speaking of music, the dulcet tones of Phantom Planet give way to Marissa and Summer fighting over a tiny mirror while doing makeup because mm. hashtag, yeah, hashtag girl stuff. Uh, Marissa wants to hang, but it turns out public school girls, one, don't want to join people at a college circus, whatever the heck it is. And two, she isn't even thinking about college. Um, luckily, Julie calls and saves us from whatever that conversation was going to be so i don't know if this is your outfit of the episode but i think this is my outfit of the episode and because we kind of commandeer each other's sections i'm commandeering this one no 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 no, no. it doesn't count absolutely slaying in her sun hat and matching bikini and apparently she has a lead on a new beachfront property q dude getting arrested because it turns out she is at a shady motel i will say first of all that after the episode does not count you don't you do not get the air horn until it's reserved (laughs) only for chelsea there's a um, silence. It's a fart sound. <laughs> yeah. It's the sound of Chelsea <laughs> trying to poop. Um, it's a silence. Yes. Uh, no, I will say that um, 
when we talked about the transcript thing, I got we got derailed by Doug, but I was a little <laughs> relieved to, to I my thought whenever they hit like the credits was I was relieved to think that like, okay, the show's focusing a little more now on like college and like more normal teenager stuff and less like, oh, this girl overdosed in the streets of Mexico or she <laughs> like almost murdered someone because he was going to kill his own brother. Like, oh, now it's just like, oh, it's college stuff, you know? It's more timid. Little do we know. School time, Coy and Texty Taylor is getting some mid-morning Mac on with an undisclosed suitor who is probably 100% hot Dean. Seth tries to gaslight Summer and say she didn't actually see Taylor and hot Dean making out. Oh, Seth, you beautiful idiot. I feel like he is so hot and cold, um, to borrow a phrase, in these two episodes, because for as funny and, like... I mean, laugh out loud funny for Ryan as he is in the second episode. I feel like in this first one, he's not really doing his job as a human who's supposed to have relationships with people. Um, but that's what's going on at Rich Kid School. So let's go to the other side of the tracks. It's lunchtime in public school, which means no matter what you're eating, you're going to be drinking milk with it. And Ryan <laughs> is for some reason there. Sure, whatever. Things get awkward until... Johnny and Ryan bond over their peewee football past. Ryan played safety. Johnny, I guess, played quarterback. I don't care about this anymore. Johnny so let's football just... hero. No, I, th- I thought this was great. First of all, Johnny football hero. Shout out to not a surf popular. Uh, <laughs> and if you see Johnny football hero in the hall, tell him he played a great game. I thought it was the most overwritten, stereotypical, like two dudes getting to know each other. Like, where are you from, Chino? Where are you from? Brea, do you play football? Yeah. Yep. We you used to beat sports. your okay, ass in friends. football. Yeah, and then they're just like, fuck it, bullets now. Too. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, I have a question. Like, I thought Chili's whole bit was really funny. He, he says something like, chiseled jaw, I see why you keep him. And then he said, like, if something happens to your man, I'll take care of your woman. Something Chili's like that. Chili's killing yeah. it. Um, but I don't understand, like, how come Ryan was, like, so intimidated by Johnny, but not Chili? Uh, like, obviously, if some guy is like, hey, if something ever happens to you, man, I'm going to take your woman. I think he knew he was joking and that Chili is like the Seth of the, the Seth Cohen. Of, of that school yeah. and that Johnny is like the cool, cool surfer guy of that school. And that, you know, every podcast has one of two dudes. There's the funny guy that's a not threatening. Mm-hmm. And then there's the chiseled jaw guy who played football. And I then guess, the chiseled I guess Chili ch- does put out big, big sidekick energy. Chiseled jaw guy on this <laughs> in this uh, scenario would be Chelsea. Um, yeah. So there was a, well, there, the second the, the second episode. Chili is is like jokingly flirting with Summer, and she says, "I'm already dating a dork." I love Just that line. they're they're letting us uh, they're letting us know that Chili is, I guess, the biggest dork in this high school. Which so he's non threatening, which doesn't really jive with the fact that he had this massive awesome party at his house. But we'll get there. Uh, so back to rich person school, where Taylor is being tailed by Summer, the ugly one, Roberts. Taylor is absolutely on fire with insults until Summer does a little gaslighting herself by accusing Hot Dean of kissing the volleyball coach. Pure carnal satisfaction set Spike one point to Summer. How did you feel about this exchange? I know that we love Summer. I also know that Ryan especially loves Taylor. That's I right. mean, it's it's like it's like in Game of Thrones where you have these characters you know and love fighting each other and you don't know who you want to win. How did you feel about this, Ryan? This was a very smart move by Summer. I love that she just kind of threw away any sort of um, common sense. It was basically like, I'm just going to make shit up, blatantly lie, and see what happens. And it was a good move on her part because it worked. Lying and bluffing, I feel like, is a big theme in this episode. And I do have to ask a question of our, our female voice, the voice of reason on this show. 
do high school girls actually talk to each other that way? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's uh, awesome. This is, this is really funny. I'm in a wedding show yesterday and um, this guy I know was like, hey, I, I got to ask you a question. He's like, I, I, I got these girls to help me work my booth, but I've like hooked up with both of them. Like, do, do you think they're going to talk about it and like, you know, accidentally make it awkward? And I was like, yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. They're, they're definitely going to bring it up. Like, there's no way that. around that one. That's literally like whenever whenever Luke and Ryan were hanging out in season one and Marissa was like, I wonder what they'll talk about. And Seth is like, I can think of one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I miss season one so much. Taylor's outfit is the outfit of the episode. Hell yeah. This Ooh. time also. That's right. Two weeks in a row we've got a Taylor Townsend outfit for the episode. Wow. It was so Stepford wife chic. She's wearing like a hot pink uh, Lacoste polo with like a cardigan wrapped around her shoulders. It was ridiculous. Like, an outfit that I will never, ever wear. It doesn't matter how old and fancy I get. I will never wear that outfit. I think Seth Wife Chic is my, is my love language. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's Ryan's kink. He likes mm-hmm. Stepford Wives stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to the Casa de Cohen. So, Julie has stopped by to talk uh, about her downward slide into condo living. Kirsten offers to help her with a down payment. Julie's too proud to accept the money. All of a sudden, the doorbell rings, and the third part of the threesome arrives. That's right. It's bad Charlotte. She's back. And based on (laughs) Kirsten's, like, exposition vomit, she has successfully identified her new mark, Julie. I think I've talked about this on on the show quite a bit, that... I, I both love and loathe exposition when it's unnecessary. And this was some of the most exposition exposition ever where Kirsten's like, like literally giving the entire story of Julie, of what's been going on and everything. And Julie's just like sitting there, I guess, not caring about it. Um, how'd you guys feel about Exposition City? Well, okay then. Let's go ahead and go to the circus, the college circus. Uh, Marissa has opted to stay home and do it's trig homework. Fair. It, well, it was referred to as a circus by Summer, and so I latched onto that like a baby without, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what babies do, which is kind of a problem. I need to read more books about it. Um, so Marissa. It's <laughs> only funny because you have a pregnant wife. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. They're books. Marissa has opted to do her trig homework. Good call. Uh, Ryan is understandably uncomfortable being back in Newport. I kind of love this quasi-constitutional argument that that Sandy has where he said, well, this is a public place. They can't keep you from this public public event, public place, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Seth and Summer are also there, and they witness Hot Dean and Taylor mid-lover's tryst. There's a quick cut to Ryan, who's investing in his future. Uh, Hot Dean, post-tryst, probably still a little bit angry, goes in for the kid when he sees Ryan. Sandy intercepts him, and we get some solid verbal sparring. Not quite as good as Taylor and Summer, but still good nonetheless. Hot Dean doesn't blink, but Sandy doesn't budge. And so we uh, we kind of have a little bit of an impact. I feel like the Dean kind of got the better Sandy there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sandy was coming at him with facts like, you better have an injunction. And then, but the Dean was just like, no, he fucked this up all on his own. And he, it was like a walk off. I was like, damn. All right. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he, he dropped the mic. After the scene abruptly ends, because it really does kind of end abruptly, we join Seth in the pool house where he panics because he sees that Ryan's bed is unmade and he's not there. So he assumes he, quote, went greyhound. Luckily, Ryan was just showering. It turns out he's one of those guys that showers and then gets fully dressed We've right had afterwards this conversation in before. the human We've bathroom had this conversation and i hate it before. i will bring it up every time i have to do at least 30 <laughs> minutes of sit on the bed and look at instagram on my phone while you're fully naked oh yeah 
Well, if yeah. you don't, then the shower won't have taken. It'll be like George Costanza. You'll be humid the rest of the day. It's yeah, very it's like, uncomfortable. That's why no one lives on Venus. That And because the air is not breathable. But, I disagree so, about all of Ra- us. <laughs> Ryan has decided... <laughs> Um, Ryan Atwood, excuse me, has decided that he's done with school and Seth thinks that's a bad idea. Um, Marissa turns out also thinks it's a bad idea back at public school. She laments to Johnny and Johnny seems to think he'll be all right. Remember they're cool. Now they played football together. Uh, I kind of like this idea by Ryan. I don't like the idea of him dropping out of high school, but for him to basically say like, you know what college is it for me? I'm like, yeah, you know what? good for you like too many too much pressure on these kids to fucking just go to college and he doesn't know what he wants to do let him live his life for a couple years he wouldn't have student debts man yeah gosh i mean the the temperature on that has just changed so much in the last 10 years everyone is like no don't go to college do not get that debt unless you know exactly what you're going to do with that degree but i I don't know back in that era it was like you had to go there was no other option i very much felt that like, I didn't really want to go to college, but I felt like I had to. And I just, like, I, I mean, I'm glad I did, I guess. But I don't know. Anyway, um, no, I did like when they were walking like there through literally the... was not another path. You just had mm. to go to college if you were going to do anything. Um, I did like that mm. when they were walking through the college, what you call it, carnival? Um, circus. The circus. The college carnival, I think, is better. Uh, Sandy was giving a shout out to all the different um, conferences. It's like Ivy League, Big Ten, <laughs> Pac-10. And I was like, that's about all we have left now in 2021. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, I... I'm sorry that we quote unquote abandon you all. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like it's a cowardly move to go to the SEC, but I don't feel abandoned at all. I feel like it's going to be bad when OU loses in primetime to Auburn every year, but you know, you do you. But yeah, at least I can do the on SEC swoop. I don't love it. I'm from OU and I think it's kind of dumb, but that's just me. Hey, I'm from OU and I don't care either way. So we have all <laughs> three po- portions of the argument right now. Um, but let's no, find out. None of us are like, yeah, we're so glad that happened. We're all kind of just like mm. lukewarm about it. Oh, God, I miss yeah. Luke. I miss Luke. <laughs> Why Luke, has, Luke has big Pac-10 energy. He really, he really does. He really does. Uh, so so like, Julie, what do we think about this full on? Oh, OK, go ahead. No, no. It. I want to know what we think. Um, I want to know what we think about Ryan's full-on meltdown. And Ryan has had some emotional ups and downs, but I don't think he's ever wigged out to this degree before, has he? Chelsea, I'm right here. I can hear what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) God. He has not... He's made some bad impulse decisions, and this is one of the worst. But he doesn't follow through, so I think it's... Okay, I mean, it's just one of those things they write into an episode as like a weekly plot point that gets forgotten about by the time we get to the next episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't worry, I have plenty of thoughts on the whole fisherman thing. But before we go there, Julie shows up for a showing of the condo and is mistaken for Charlotte. Oops. The realtor low-key violates the Fair Housing Act by saying a four-bedroom condo might not be the best fit for a single white female. Julie is more of a garden-view basement dweller. But before things get too heated, Charlotte shows up. So that's good. So a couple things here as well. I feel like whenever I saw Charlotte and Julie together on screen... I was like, Charlotte looks more like Marissa than Julie does, and that she would have maybe been a, a as good or better 
Julie had they cast her because I think Ooh. she's a great. I think Jerry Ryan's killing it. Wow! In the role. Now I wonder if now I wonder if she might have, might have auditioned for one of the roles, Kirsten or Julie. I think Jerry Ryan uh, the character uh, is killing it with that Charlotte character. I just think the character sucks. But I didn't understand. There's a bunch of things in this episode I don't understand, Dylan. You're gonna have to explain them to me. Like I'm five. When okay. Julie shows up to the condo viewing, the realtor is like. Oh, I think we misunderstood each other. This is actually a four bedroom, not a two. Like, what was that? That she was supposed to meet her for a two bedroom, but she showed up at the wrong time? I have no idea. I think, I mean, it all depends on what they talked about. Like, if she did say, like, yeah, we're going to meet on this garden level. Like, I mean, I get that. But I don't, like, I think that they were just trying to find a really terribly, you know, derivative way to shoehorn in Charlotte. But, like... I don't understand. The thing I didn't understand is this whole, oh, wait, this is the wrong one. It's more like arguably it's more expensive. We don't want you to pay us more money to live here. You should go into the basement and pay. Like, I don't understand that whole thing. And it was really complicated. Yeah, no, none of that made sense to me. I want to give you all an update uh, on Seth, Summer and Gaslight 2005. Seth tells her that there are, quote, more important things going on than what's going on with Taylor and Hot Dean, namely Ryan quitting school. Uh, Summer, though, is not easily shaken. The issues are connected, she says. So she is going to write Taylor an apology letter as Hot Dean. So hopefully they'll make up. And then she and Seth can threaten to expose them as leverage to get Ryan back into school. What about Marissa? Who cares? They're just focused on Ryan. Okay. How do you all feel about this plan? No, I'm glad you asked. Well, him. that's something that I was wondering about because like, I was like, why would she want to break them up before she got evidence? But I see uh, Summer was just kind of playing with them to see if her suspicions were correct. Well, I think mm-hmm. she wanted to break them up until now she realized she needs them to be together, which made sense to me. Like that part of this up to this point makes okay. sense. She's like, well, we need them to be together if we're gonna get this. If we're gonna do this thing with Ryan, because she didn't know about the thing with Ryan when she was trying to break him up. That part of this, up to this point, makes sense to me. Dylan, I need you to once again explain to me their entire plan for the Dean and Taylor, because and Sandy bluffing Dean at the end, which I know we're jumping ahead, but like I just fully did not understand what it was. From my okay. understanding, she was gonna write him a letter. Seth comes mm-hmm. in and says, no, 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 don't do that. So I'm assuming they didn't send the letter. I don't know. Yeah. And so- then he gives her a sidekick. And says, we're going to text Taylor to meet us at this hotel. But does Taylor not know that that's not the Dean's number texting her? Like, I didn't get that to meet her at the hotel. Like, why did she show up? Did she, for some random phone number? And then dialogue between Summer and Taylor at the hotel made zero sense to me. Yeah, no, I I have notes and it makes me confused and angry. But so here's, here's how I see the plan. And I'm going to expose this plan with all of its nonsense as well. So... Phase one is they wanted to expose that they were in a relationship right out of the gate Mm -hmm. because, like, they want to get back at Taylor. They want to do this. They want to do that. However, um, it all starts when they saw the lover's tryst at the circus. Mm -hmm. And then they realized, okay, relationship might be on the rocks. This must not be a good situation. So that's when Summer gets the idea to kind of push it a little bit, push the envelope, find out if this is actually happening. Because as we kind of talked about earlier, Seth has pretty much successfully gaslighted her and convinced her that maybe she didn't see it. So she had to confirm it. She confirms wait, 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 it. Wait, I'm, now I'm confused by what you're saying. When they saw the Dean and Taylor fighting. No, that- when they saw them fighting. Right. So when that's they saw they them. Wanted. That's what Summer wanted was for them to was for Taylor to get jealous and want to break up with him, right? Yes, 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 yes. But the problem was they kind of realized 
after they had gotten in a fight and after, you know, they had they had potentially broken up or whatnot, she realized that, okay, no, we want them to be together because so then once they're together, them. we can exploit them then. They okay. will be forced to break up. And, well, we won't necessarily need to exploit that because we can just say, we'll, we'll go ahead and not let this slip as long as Ryan comes back, which is blackmail, but we can get into that later. So, <laughs> so that's phase one. Phase two is Seth is like, if you're going to be trying to trick Taylor Townsend, you got to do it like in a way that makes sense. The dean's not going to write her a letter. He's not going to sit down and write out a letter and mail it to her. or whatever. So, so after that, the letter is no longer anything. Letter's done. Okay. Instead, it's not what Chekhov's happens letter. Is, yeah, it's not Chekhov's letter. It's um, it's it's just gone. Okay. It's a dead it's a dead letter, if you will. But then what ends up happening is Seth goes and buys a burner phone. He buys the sidekick and says, look, the dean's probably going to text her. You know, we we see her being all coy and texty and giggling and laughing with that person who we must assume is the dean. Which So that yields... person, I forgot to mention, that person had a name in her phone that was very strange. And I didn't, I, I was going to write it down. I forgot what it was. But my question is, if Seth and Summer are now texting Taylor as the dean, would Taylor not immediately know that that's not his phone number, right? Maybe it's a new phone who dis situation. Also, this was 2005. Yeah, well, they probably weren't expecting anyone to analyze it the way that we did. But still, I hate when there's an obvious plot hole like that that everyone knows. She's going to know his phone number. That's not, if, that feels like more than receives... an obvious plot hole. That feels like the mm-hmm. most obvious thing. You can't just text a random person from a random phone number and be like, hey, it's me, the dean. Don't ignore the other message I sent you earlier today from the other other phone number that I always text you from. So I have an argument, well, I think. I don't know. They've made how many episodes of Catfish now? I think maybe a lot of people just don't yeah. believe what's in front of them. And also, and also you have to keep in mind that if this relationship was allegedly really secret, then it would actually, yeah, that's actually a good point. The only and, them, the only the two of them know about it anyway. So how would, Yeah, like maybe he could attack maybe maybe he this is speculation, but maybe Seth or Summer, or both of them came up with some kind of a method where it's like, hey, I'm going to text you. It's the Dean. I'm texting you from this phone. Don't text anything to my normal phone because I don't want this to be traced back. I don't want blah, 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 or something like that. Okay. So there could be a way that this that this that hole sense, can be filled. That makes sense, but I feel like they would have explained that more in the show. But you know what? You're right. It was 2006. Well, yeah, and, and well, also, that's why we're here. I don't understand how you could receive, receive a letter and then not reference it when you guys are together. That's what I don't understand. Well, they didn't yeah, send the letter. Yeah, they didn't send the letter. Oh, they didn't send it. Okay. Yeah, they, they scrapped the letter uh, for the sidekick instead because, like, like Seth said, you know, you got to speak her language if you're going to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, gosh, I don't even remember where I am. I'm so caught up. In oh, so the for the Sandy stuff, Sandy's whole thing was all a bluff. Okay, by, but by the okay, way. I, we're going to finish. Let's just finish this part of the storyline because yeah. I, have a, I have more questions. So when Taylor then thinks she's meeting the Dean at the hotel, the motel, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and it's actually Seth and Summer. And Summer yes. opens the door and says, like, Taylor Trash or call, like, hello, skank or something, which was great. I love the scene between yeah. I just don't know what happened. Especially the Seth part of that scene was was great. He was actually making me laugh, like, calling her, like, an ice like an ice cube or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so what happens between Summer and Taylor? Summer basically says, in my, this is what I saw. Summer says, we know about this affair. And then Taylor says, well, good luck trying to convince anyone that that's true. And then Summer says, are you sure you want to bet your reputation on that? She's mm-hmm. like, I have a bigger mouth and a bigger buddy list, I think is what she said. Yeah. yeah. Which basically is her saying, I'm going to text everyone we know that you're having an affair with the Dean. Yes. Unless you tell Seth's dad that you're having an affair with the Dean. 
Yes, to tell telling him for the sole wow. pur- telling him for the sole purpose of getting Ryan back into school. Did she tell him? Because we never see that. I think she would have had to. So we think that there was off screen t- a scene where Taylor talks to Sandy and says, "I'm having an affair with the dean." I think so, or dude, I don't know because I feel like the the thing about it is with with Sandy, I feel like Seth could have just done it. Like, hey, dad, this right. This Again, dean is having. Just felt like yeah. it needed more explanation. That I just don't get it. Maybe someone out there who, maybe it makes total sense to somebody, and I just don't understand what's going on. But and like, the, so if that's you, yeah. please, please uh, send me a DM or email us and let me know what the deal is. And so the then when only... Sandy, when Sandy talks to the dean and he has the sidekick, why does he even need the sidekick part of it? Like he could just be like, oh yeah, there's some photos of you and Taylor, and like they're on my phone or they're on my computer. Like why does he have to have the sidekick looking at it when the dean? You know what I mean? Like that well, part to, to... was also weird two words i think one uh, sponsorship or two may i mean it's it's kind of an effective thing where it's like because taylor has a sidekick i think and the dean the dean knows that she has a sidekick and so maybe just visually it's kind of like him going i know what's going on maybe he thinks it could be taylor's phone i don't know i I am trying so hard to make sense of this okay but then the other 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 part of this is that he tells the dean i've talked to taylor she's told me everything but mm-hmm. did Taylor give Sandy photos, allegedly, no. in the, of her making out with the dean? Then where do these photos even come from? So alleged so re- photos that don't even exist. With, with with regard to the alleged photos that don't exist, I can only assume that they were photos that someone took of them when they saw them making out, okay. or something like that. This all but, feels like it's a lot of us going. Could be this instead of. Yeah. it's just very confusing. The one the one thing that is for sure though is and i i have this in my notes and by the way i will repeat all of this because i am like a guided missile and i don't want to diverge from my notes but i think at one point he actually sandy actually says this can go away as long as you do something for me mm-hmm. or you know we can make this go away and then when when and then the dean says what do you want and then mm-hmm. the moment sandy responds with what he wants it becomes literal blackmail Okay, that part I don't care about. <laughs> I don't give a I shit do, about that I part. Do because, I do because it's Sandy. It's Sandy doing what he needs to do. He's doing the right thing. I don't care. That part that doesn't <laughs> bother me at all. That part makes sense, so it doesn't bother me. The other part, yeah. Chelsea, you, you have a look on your face that's borderline boredom and disgust, and I want to know if you were able to follow this plot. No, I mean, the thing is, I didn't read into it too much. I understood the gist of it, and I was like, I how like this is so haphazardly put together that I'm not going to pay too much attention to the details. What they wanted the takeaway to be is that Seth and Summer teamed up, you know, mayhem ensued, and then they found a way to get get the Dean out and uh, get Ryan back into school. But so there's that's never, kind of but, all there, I cared but about. the reason that I didn't fucking, I didn't get it, and I feel like it was kind of important, was that there's never any payoff with on the Taylor side. Like, we don't know, we don't see Taylor having a conversation with Sandy, we don't see Taylor saying goodbye to the Dean, we don't see Taylor ever referencing her affair with the Dean to Seth and Summer directly, like, it just goes away, and she never brings it up again, and he's gone, and that's just it, right? Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's a sign of the times. Like, they're not concerned about Taylor's fallout from that. They weren't thinking in the mode of what would happen if a 16-year-old was hooking up with the, you know, late 20s uh, Dean guy. He's definitely early to mid-30s. Hot you dude. think? Okay. Yeah. Could okay. Early thirties. That's if that's he believable. was a college quarterback when Cruel Intentions came out, he's definitely in his thirties now. Yeah. He looked old though. He looked old, old, old in Cruel Intentions. So he's probably even older than that. He looks like if Benedict Cumberbatch were one of the Wilson brothers. <laughs> 
I figure that I think that that that's what has been on the tip of my of my brain. So I'm convinced that knowing what we know now, when I go back through these notes and recite them to you as I would recite poetry, you will realize that everything makes perfect sense. But before we get into that fun, nitty gritty conversation about infidelity and about student teacher relationships, excuse me, student administrator relationships or whatever, I want to go back to what Ryan's doing. Um, so Ryan, apparently, I guess, fired his tutor because he can do that as a child. Um, Sandy is not really that upset about it. He kind of seems to be taking it all in stride. Lo and behold, he's kind of falling back on that Sandy Cohen classic. I'm just going to, I'm going to let them make their own mistakes. Um, so not only is Ryan quitting school though, but we see him next sitting at the diner by himself with the classifieds out. He's got his red pen out and everything. To make matters more awkward, that's when Johnny shows up. Johnny lives in the area, but apparently he's never been to the diner, which is like one of the three restaurants um, in Newport Beach. Turns out Johnny has a lead on a job. He tells Ryan that the other fish in the sea are literally fish and that his uncle has a commercial fishing operation and that luckily they're hiring. So lots of stuff going on with Ryan now that he's decided that he is going to uh, forego the college route. So do we think that Johnny was deliberately trying to get rid of Ryan in this moment? Or do you think that he was like, oh, I'm being I nice. I have about that. I think subconsciously he was yeah. trying to get rid of Ryan. Um, I don't know if he realized he was trying to get rid of Ryan. Yeah, so... Back in the Cohen kitchen, Ryan is MIA and Seth assumes the worst cult stuff, Kool-Aid out of a shoe, stuff like that. But never fear, Ryan's back. He's just running late. Sandy wants him to start school again, um, but Ryan wants to be a dang Gordon's fisherman. He gives Sandy a guardian release form so that he can work as a miner. And then he yells at Sandy and it breaks my heart. Um, Sandy folds like a Murphy bed or just to let Ryan make his own mistakes, signs it, and it's officially fish time. Down at the docks, Ryan gets his first taste of sailor life, yelling, smells, gruff talk. They shove off for a three-week fish party the next day at sunset, and so Ryan's got to tie up some loose ends and then maybe go full Hemingway. But let's go back with Sandy and Kirsten before we kind of finish this whole fish story. Sandy has returned from surfing. He has a new outlook or the same outlook that he had the night before. He's just explaining it now. Sandy wants to let Ryan reach the better conclusion for his life on his own. I think Sandy kind of did the yeah. right thing here. I think this was the yeah. right move. I think if you tell him no, he's just going to be mad and do yeah. it anyway. Kind of like, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I mean, Sandy's approach has worked in the past. So of course he's going to use it again. Um, Marissa shows up in the Cohen kitchen because she had probably just like woken up from a nap in her bedroom outside and is I, we haven't made that joke yeah. enough recently. Marissa lives outside. Do not. Forget. She does. It's 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 a fact. And now apparently she lives on the beach uh, off, you know, because she's there all the time now. So um, she's noticeably confused when Kirsten mentions throwing Ryan and going away party because it turns out Ryan didn't communicate effectively with Marissa for the first time ever. I have no idea how their relationship will ever survive this was ridiculous though I'm this shocked. is the equivalent of like when you're a little kid and you're like i'm running away and your parents don't do anything or your mm -hmm. parents like pack you a lunch like yeah. it was just a big game of chicken like sandy signing that thing kirsten throwing him a, a going away party it was all just stupid and the only one that was really taking it seriously was marissa and ryan no one big, else in that family took it seriously big king curtis energy from ryan out yeah, in this episode <laughs> So I want to get back to the fun storyline. Uh, Summer is still working on her plan to catfish Taylor, lifting dialogue directly from the valley in this letter um, that they decide not to, you know, 
ever use again. Uh, Seth shows up, and speaking of steel, steals my joke. He refers to Ryan as the Gordon's fisherman. He also says Jedi mind meld again, which makes me mad. Um, it remains nonsensical and unholy. Uh, it's a combination of a Jedi mind trick and a Vulcan mind meld. Stop doing it. Yeah, stop doing it, Seth. Um, he's figured out that uh, Sandy is using the same plan on Ryan that he used on him back during season two. But enough about Ryan. Seth has moved from gaslighting to mansplaining, claiming that Summer shouldn't write Taylor a letter, as we said. She should text her on a burner sidekick. Uh, turns out Hot Dean is going to invite Taylor to Newport's own Den of Sim, The Little Mermaid. I love their dialogue. Their dialogue oh, it's is like so rehashing like what, ha- what had happened in that motel in the past. Like yeah. Luke and Julie and... Uh, Ryan may or may not have conceived a baby with Teresa there. This this whole episode, maybe both of these episodes, they're so... I mean, I don't know if it's, it was just in our subconscious, but I feel like they're touching on all of the stuff that we have talked about, like how all the bad stuff happens at the Little Mermaid Hotel and like just all of this stuff. I love it so much. Um, so Marissa, surprise, is not happy. She's been sitting in the pool house waiting uh, to deliver a scathing one-liner to Ryan about his going away party. And Ryan, for once, is doing the right thing. And Marissa is pushing back, like, so incredibly hard. She's toxic. Mm-hmm. She's a car crash of a human. Stop um, this. Speaking. No, I, dis- I disagree. No, Marissa was so in the right in this She scenario. was in yeah, the right? 100%. I think Ryan's finally not thinking of... Ryan's finally doing something for himself. But he's doing a dumbass thing for himself. <laughs> he's yeah, doing he's the being dumbest an idiot. shit possible. That's true. He's acting yeah. like a child. What are you talking about? And yeah. Marissa's right. He, Marissa was like, you're just like my dad. You're going to float away on a boat. That's later. Yeah, the you dad can just run away. Later. Okay, but Marissa feels that way currently. She's not a toxic car crash. Get out of here with that shit. Speaking of car crashes, Charlotte goes to visit Julie in her fleabag hellhole. Uh, Charlotte offers to give Julie the condo with no strings attached, I'm sure. Julie thinks something <laughs> is up. But shout is, out to NSYNC. Shout out. Uh, Julie thinks something's up, but she is dragged into Charlotte's web nonetheless. Um Back in Seth's room, uh, he has the gall to come. Or no, no, it's not Seth's room. We haven't seen Seth's room in like two years, I feel like. Seth Cohen lives outside. <laughs> Seth, Seth, Seth has joined joined the pack. Um, so Seth has the gall to comment on Ryan's decision to forego land for the deep blue sea. Uh, turns out they're actually having a surprise party. It wasn't just an, a surprise party, like a surprise going away party for him. Turns out it wasn't just an offhand remark from Kirsten. So once Summer and Marissa arrive at the party, um, it gets started. And by started, I mean quiet. Um, there's nothing but sounds of people eating pad thai. Sandy, oh, it's a great scene. Oh, it's so good. Sandy tells some jokes. He's trying really hard to lighten the mood. But uh, Marissa is being, I don't want to say anything bad about Marissa now because y'all will jump on me. But I think she's being an absolute public school chore. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I cannot disagree with you. I feel like this is two weeks in a row. I just disagree with you guys. Well, but like, well, I she's think being Marissa, so rude. I said this last week. Marissa is reacting to the environment that she's in. Everyone else is piling onto her and making her life shittier, including yeah. in this episode, Ryan. I'm yeah. with you. I think Mar- Marissa has it together more than any of the other kids wow. in this moment. 100%. Wow, and like, wow. she's the one who made, she made a great joke. I laughed out loud where she's like, I'm, she was like, I like the tofu. I'm pretty much, I'm kind of off fish right now that's <laughs> I thought it was hilarious i laughed out loud but and you know she means it because cats love fish so ryan delivers the coup de gras though and tells marissa that the reason he's taking this fishing job is because johnny got it for her marissa leaves in a huff and ryan goes that's not after the reason he's doing it that's not the reason he's doing it well that's, that's the reason the why he got job. that, that 
That's like the reason why he got the job was because of John. Right. Okay. Um, Marissa leaves in a huff and Ryan goes after her because that's what Ryan does. Um, speaking of fishing, Summer's phone starts buzzing. Turns out Taylor took the bait. There is a lot, oh. a lot, a lot of fishing metaphors in this episode. Um, next morning, Ryan is packing. The packing has become so constant in this show that even he brings up how good he's gotten at packing light. I love it. Um, he makes some remark about how school isn't for his family. Sandy finally hits him with that classic line that he pretty much says in one way or another, at least once a season, um, that, you know, we're your family now, Ryan. Um, off goes Ryan, maybe to be lost at sea. Ryan has a, but Ryan has an interesting line, which I didn't know if it was good or not. It was interesting where he goes, I'm not an Atwood, but I'm not a Cohen either. Mm, he's like Blade. That's Quick exactly what he's like. to the beach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that explains why he feels like he's floundering. Like, I mean, wow. what fish? You? <laughs> fish jokes. From Ryan's point of view, he when he became a Cohen, he was like, okay, this is my path. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be a success. I'm good at school. I've been studying really hard. This and that. And then suddenly all of this has to just feel so demoralizing. Yeah. So he probably takes it a lot. I mean, he's taking it harder than Marissa just because it was something unexpected that he became really, really attached to. Whereas Marissa's kind of like, well, I can't really afford college anymore, and is kind of blasé about it. Ryan obviously grew very fond of that vision of himself. Uh, quick cut to the beach where Johnny and Chili are post-surfing. Marissa is super chill, but basically tells Johnny that she's mad at him for helping Ryan get that job. At this point, I've got to wonder... Um, see, it took me this long to figure it out. It took you guys not long at all. I was curious at this point if Johnny pointed Ryan towards that job because he knew he would be gone for weeks on end. Marissa points out to Johnny that she and Ryan had been fighting and that she didn't get a chance to say to Ryan what she really wanted to say. And now the clock is ticking. Luckily, Johnny knows where Ryan is. But before we return to the fish plot, we have a brief scene with Julie and Charlotte, new besties, celebrating their new joint tenancy. Charlotte wants to celebrate with champagne. Oops, she forgot she's supposed to be a recovering alcoholic. That was a great moment. Oh, yeah. So she, so steps, out to, she steps out to make a call. Uh, she calls young Lance to tell him that Julie Cooper Nickel is on the hook for another fish metaphor because this whole episode is one giant freaking fishing metaphor. But... Let's actually talk about the fish now. Ryan's shipping off. We briefly see a cute dog in the shot, but then it moves away and we have to see Marissa instead walking up. She hits him with some knowledge, specifically that Ryan is doing a spot-on impression of Tate Donovan, Burn. Then she just leaves. So that's, I guess, what she wanted to tell him. How can you sit here and listen and agree with us that Tate Don- that Tate has become the worst character, like uh, mo- the motivation, at least motivationally on this show? Oh, and he, then he also, has. But uh, then also uh, the agree with Ryan leaving to go on a fishing boat. I think it'd be cool to be a fisherman. So that's why I'm in, I'm no, in it for No, you fish, don't. Man. You do not. I love fish. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Hey, ask, so ask me what my favorite, <laughs> ask me what my favorite animal is. Don't Here, let your favorite animal. It's fish. Fish. <laughs> All of them. Uh, All the creatures in the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so big fish now guy. that we've kind of... What's my favorite band is? Hey, I love real big fish. Um, so now that we've kind of, I guess, kind of satisfied the fish storyline, it's time for some uh, tactical espionage action. Seth and Summer lie in wait at the Little Mermaid slash Terror Dome. Is it tactical espionage action the tagline for Metal Gear Solid? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you better believe it. Taylor arrives for her booty call with Hot Dean. Taylor is exposed. 
but has the most amazing poker face the entire time. Turns out she doesn't think Seth and Summer can prove it. Little does she know, as Ryan already said, Summer has a big mouth and an even bigger buddy list. Thanks to her sidekick, the walkie-talkie of the 21st century, Summer has Taylor right where she needs her, and Summer tells her that she has to tell Sandy, which she might have done. I don't know. So... Now the moment we've all been waiting for, Sandy versus the Hot Dean round two. Sandy comes right out of the gate throwing shade at Hot Dean for using surreptitiously, then absolutely drops the hammer. He claims that there are pictures of Hot Dean macking on TT. Hot Dean tries to play it off by blaming the victim, great strategy bro, saying she was quote aggressive and had a quote schoolgirl crush and that she quote forced herself on him and finishing up with that tried and true quote, it was only a kiss. How did it end up like this? It was only a kiss. It was only a kiss. Now, before we get too excited, let's all be reminded, at least I'm excited about this, that the moment Hot Dean asks, what do you want, Sandy, and Sandy makes a demand, America's dad is guilty of blackmail, but details, details, looks like Ryan might be back in harbor with a clean slate. So we go from that just amazing scene to Marissa crying at the diner by herself. Seth and Summer show up to tell Marissa the good news about the blackmail, but it doesn't necessarily matter because Ryan is a fisherman now. He's gone. Psych, the not-so-ancient Mariner returns. First of all, nice Samuel Taylor Coleridge reference, Seth. Sandy's bluff worked. Ryan is back in the harbor, but only Ryan. Marissa will remain at public school and she will remain the albatross that hangs about Ryan's neck, at least until the end of this season. And the episode ends with the gang walking in a perfectly straight line on the beach, but the screen does not go black until Seth suggests that Ryan could get a job as a fluffer. So way to end on a high note. And that, my friends, is the perfect storm. I don't understand what everyone's hang-up is on, because they bring it up in the show too, about with Marissa getting back. Like To me, they're two very, very separate situations. Like Ryan got kicked out because he punched the Dean, and now the Dean is walking it back and they're going to let him back in because the Dean's leaving. Marissa mm. shot somebody right, and there but, was a bunch uh, of, there was a huge petition. Yeah. Like, so to be like, well, they got Ryan and why didn't they, why didn't they also get Marissa in? It's like, there's a huge, huge, huge barrier to get Marissa back into school. Shooting someone yeah. just, the community was the one who ousted yeah. Marissa. And then it was just the Dean who ousted Ryan. When, have, when has Ryan Atwood ever cared what the community has to say though? What does that even mean? Like they, Ryan can't just, just put Marissa back in school. All that shooting is, is punching someone with a bullet. It's the same thing. I hate you right now. <laughs> I hate, I hate you so much. I'm so glad that old Dylan is back. Let's talk about the next episode. <laughs> that uh, will get us into episode six, The Swells, which features Sandy Cohen on screen for six minutes and 31 seconds. Dylan, do Dylan stuff. November 10th, 2005. That's one thing you want to know. 5.76 million people. That's another. And J.J. Philbin. Those are your three facts about the swells. We open with Marissa uh, sleeping with Summer. Uh, she's having nightmares about Trey, which I thought, let's just, let's just have this conversation right now. For this plot line to come back up again, which I'm sure there are arguments to be made that, you know, victims of assault can kind of go in and out of traumatic experiences. But I just felt like to me, this was such a fuck. We got to do something with Marissa. What can we do? Let's just bring up the tray thing again. Right? Like it's been so forgotten about the last couple of weeks. 
I agree. Well, my takeaway from this episode was that it was really, really crucial in establishing why Marissa and Johnny had that bond. Getting getting assaulted and beating your dad with a baseball bat are completely the same kind well, of. Well, no, I, I understand. I understand what Chelsea's saying on that regard, but to me, it, it yeah. felt very overwritten. Yeah, I liked it. I actually, I actually really liked the storyline. I liked that Summer Art Marissa has is a few months removed and is still struggling with it because that's more true to real life. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you go through something like she does, it never really leaves you. And we're so used to TV shows kind of forgetting that mm-hmm. things happen. Um, actually, Summer's little pajamas are the outfit of the episode. Yeah. I think I had a pair exactly like that. It was like a matching top and bottom. They're kind of like long johns. Um, I slept in them all the time. I still kind of sleep are in them Are you wearing them right now? Really? I'm not, but really when you think about it, the um, matching top and bottom sweatsuit sets, it's basically a, a form of that same outfit that you can wear in public and not be totally scorned. True. So Marissa is having nightmares about Trey. She is apparently very sweaty and she calls Ryan at 4 a.m. She calls Ryan in the middle of the night and Ryan basically tells her to fuck off um so she's alone and she's sitting on the stairwell and summer comes and consoles her and says i'm here if you need anything and marissa basically says like i wish ryan would know that's all he needs to say mm-hmm. and right there is a moment they actually do show a moment of ryan like waking up and looking at the phone like he's about to call her back like he knows he fucked up but he doesn't so there we go um let's start with the i have this broken down between the kids and the adults let's do the kids first ryan's back at harbor he can't get into any trouble which i feel like comes up later in the season as far as like him not being able to do anything even borderline bad or else we'll get kicked out of school again south and summer are concerned about ryan and marissa's relationship they want to keep the core four together but they feel like marissa is drifting away into public school land yes dylan at what point do we and maybe this is too harsh and maybe i'll either get a really aggressive pushback or you all will agree with me which i mean i guess that's how conversations work do we blame seth or summer at any point for like turning a blind eye to what is clearly a toxic relationship no they're kids there we go they like hanging out they like hanging out with ryan and marissa they're (laughs) summer's best friends with marissa best friends with ryan it makes sense you are really coming in hot as far as seth cohen's gaslighting and sandy is blackmailing and now they're turning a blind eye to toxic relationships it's like come on (laughs) i'm woke dylan yeah, I hate it. Sutton Summer concerned about Ryan and Marissa. They want to keep him together. Taylor Townsend alert. She's here. No mention of the Dean at all. There's no mention of the Dean going away. There's no mention of their affair. She's just here now. And but, but she does say, quote, I did pretty much get you back into school. Mm-hmm. Which I is kind of alluding to it, but in the strangest oh, actually, that would, way. That would actually make more sense if she did go talk to Sandy about mm-hmm. their affair that she's saying I basically got you back into school either she's saying I got you back into school because I talked to Sandy or I got you back into school because I had an illicit affair with the dean see I like to think it's because of the affair I really do <laughs> Taylor informs the squad that there is now a mandatory lock-in at the high school tomorrow which is an insane thing to be like every it's a mandatory everyone in the high school has to come tomorrow yeah you can't just spring that on someone but being said that retreat actually sounds really fucking fun it's kind of like grad fest you know the last day of school where you have to be locked in so that no one gets drunk and like crashes their car um or like a church lock-in do you guys do like all-nighters at your church ever no i did all-nighters at laser quest (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, we would do yeah, or we would go from like the skating rink to a laser quest to we would kind of go all over the place. Um, the other retreat it made me think about was the PLC one where yes. me and Dylan became besties. Yeah, and he wore awesome man capris and played guitar for everyone. Heck yeah, boy, that's the uh, it's the only worst version of Dylan that exists currently on this podcast. <laughs> Col- college Dylan, <laughs> boy, yeah. If I'm ranking, yeah. if I was gonna rank the Dylans. <laughs> I contain multitudes and I hate them all, uh. except the one I am right now. 
I'm excited to meet Dad. Dad Dylan's my favorite really so far, fun. and I wish he would come back. Um, <laughs> He's dead. I hate this. Sorry. Okay. What was that? So Taylor is back. There's a mandatory lock-in. There's going to be s'mores. They're making them with Bunsen burners. It sounds like a great time. It does. It legitimately sounds fun. It sounds like the worst possible thing. Anyway, I'm glad that Chelsea would enjoy it. That makes me happy I for would've. you. I was a dork. Hey, great news, everyone. The swells are coming in from Antarctica, which apparently the swells. is a thing. It's swell season. Isn't that the name of that shitty band? Uh, by shitty band, you mean the awesome band that Glenn Hansard and Maria Argova did. Yeah. Isn't that the guy that gave you COVID? Didn't he spit on you? Uh, no. No, he spit on me because I said, spit on me, Irish daddy. Um, I got COVID because I kept licking seats. Gotcha. You didn't actually get COVID. I, I want to watch that rumor <laughs> yeah, right now. I didn't. I got the shot. So the swells are coming in from Antarctica, and apparently it's a big deal for the public school kids. Uh, Johnny and Chili and Casey invite Marissa to a big party to celebrate the swells it's called the dawn patrol so she agrees i think my next note is marissa is borderline dressing like shrek again but she goes to meet johnny at the beach <laughs> oh my gosh she was wearing like that like... actually that was my outfit of the episode well, you said summer's <laughs> summer's pajamas was the outfit of the episode oh my god well i okay you're right that was the outfit of the episode but i made note of she's wearing this like epic drop waist like it's either a romper or dress i'm not sure but she wasn't wearing a bra for sure and like spaghetti straps and it just it, it makes me wonder do, do they not have dress codes at these school i feel like casey's wearing like crop tops and i just i don't think the dress codes are a thing in california i'm talking specifically about the scene where marissa goes to the beach the first time to talk with Johnny. She's wearing like brown pants and an off brown t-shirt with a large <laughs> belt that looks like a Shrek belt. Shrek belt. Dressing yeah. like Shrek. So, Shrek chic. She's got she Shrek, feels comfortable. Yeah, she's in, she's like in her litter box. Dressed Shrek she's, chic. Listen, she probably just woke up. She's outside. She's at home. Um, Marissa's borderline dressing like Shrek again. She meets Johnny at the beach um, and they're starting to bond Marissa, this is what Marissa says to Summer. Like, I'll be at the dinner with um, Ryan, Seth, and the Coens, but I need to go by the beach first. This is the night before the big party. So she goes, and she sees Johnny, and they talk for a second about how she can't sleep or something. And then Johnny's like, well, I'm going to go change at my car. And then she goes, okay. And then he goes, do you have to go? And I was like, she was there for 30 seconds. Like, she was literally there for 30 seconds. Johnny's like, don't leave. <laughs> it's like, okay. Summer tells Ryan at the Cohen's house that Marissa's not coming because she's hanging out with Johnny, which Summer has caught on at this point that like, it's starting to get a little weird how much time she's spending with this guy. Mm -hmm. My other laugh out loud moment of these episodes is when Summer tells Ryan that, and he just stares blankly at her. (laughs) And then Seth goes, Ryan, try not to punch Summer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great moment. Um, I'm coming around to Seth a little bit. Johnny, I hate him now. Johnny and Marissa are at the beach still. He gives her his hoodie, which is where I'm like, uh-oh, this is where it's getting a little too intimate, maybe? Yeah. He gives her his hoodie, and then I wrote, oh, God, he's opening up. His dad disappeared after they had a fight, and then Marissa asked him, have you tried calling him? That's that's pretty good advice, though, when you think about it. The, the other thing that this conversation yielded is, like... I think he's wearing a varsity letter jacket from when he played baseball. And so he played football. He played baseball. And he's a surfer. And and he's he's a a skateboarder. He's carrying a skateboard around at high school. Yeah. So this is, he's like the all American kid is what I'm saying. Johnny gives Marissa his hoodie. He's opening up. Marissa goes, have you tried calling him? Which was great. We learned that Johnny's dad was an abusive alcoholic and that Johnny legitimately beat the shit out of his dad with a baseball bat because his dad was attacking his mom. 
And I wrote, he probably saved her life, just like Marissa probably saved Ryan's life. But why was Marissa the first person that he's ever told about this? You can't, I will never believe that not one other person in this universe knows about this except for Johnny's mom, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, his cousin Sadie would have known about it, right? I forgot about her. I completely forgot. Wow. wow. I completely forgot about her. Holy shit. So, yeah. Johnny tells Marissa she's the first person he's ever told about this traumatic situation that he's gone through. I don't know why he told her. I, I wrote their cycles are synced up finally. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Casey sees them talking on the pier, getting close. Um, that's kind of some foreshadowing as to what happens later, Why her, what her motivations are. Summer accuses Johnny of being very into Marissa. Marissa's uh, response to that is, he just gets me. Didn't she say that exact same thing about Oliver? I literally wrote, this has Oliver vibes. And yeah. Marissa yeah. Marissa invites Summer to come to the beach for Swellapalooza 2006. Oh, gosh. Marissa just has a soft spot for kind of like the moody loner guy. I mean, that's who Ryan was when she first met him. Yeah, she, she she dates them, she grooms them into good boys, and then she leaves them by the curb. It's it's like sad puppy syndrome. I mean, it's what attracted her to Ryan, then Oliver, and now Johnny. See, I thought um, the Ryan and Oliver I, thing was that they were both, like, outsiders. They were coming from, they were new from, like, a different place. But Johnny has been around for a long time, right? Like, he's been in that area, at least. She's the outsider. <laughs> She's... He's well, but she doesn't there. see she doesn't see him as she doesn't like him at this point. They're just buddies. But then after this episode and after the things that develop later in the season, she's like, "Oh, he's like a sad loner now." So, Marissa, I guess as a way to prove to Summer that there's nothing going on between her and Johnny, she invites Summer to come party with him. Before she does that, she wants to go apologize to Ryan, so she goes to the lock-in where Ryan is being forced to help Taylor set things up. And she has the most cringe dialogue where Ryan's like, what happened to you? And she's like, I was talking to Johnny. And he's like, what about? She goes, it's personal. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Why even, Yeah, that was really why weird. Even have this, why, why even have you, this conversation at all? Yeah. Why would you not just be like, Hated. oh, we were just hanging out. This is where I made the note about <laughs> the Trey stuff seems very sudden. And I don't think the writers of the OC in 2006 had the foresight to consider that maybe this is a traumatic situation that would come and go in different parts of her life. I think they were just going, fuck, we need something. What can we do? Let's bring up Trey again. This is my opinion. Taylor's mom shows up to the lock-in. She's so mean. <laughs> She's so mean. Yeah, that was You're right. really aggressive. Body shaming. <laughs> I will not stand for body shaming. Taylor's mom shows up. To- Dylan has lockjaw. I hate CrossFit. Dylan the worst. Um, very aggressive. Uh, Taylor's mom shows up to the lock-in setup. She's being a big old jerk to Taylor is what I wrote. Seth spies on them. He feels bad for her. And I think Autumn Reeser was at least 23 when she filmed these scenes. So it's okay for me to say that her ass is made for low-rise jeans. Okay, Taylor's mom, get out of here. That was so mean. That was rude. Summer goes to the beach with Marissa. Uh, this reminded me of the, <laughs> the Nicki Minaj. Let's go to the beach. Eat. Let's go get away. Okay. <laughs> so Summer goes with Marissa to the beach. And oh my God, all caps, I wrote OMG. It's Gidget. Gidget! Gidget is finally here. Gidget has arrived. That's why I wanted to do this episode. He's so hot. So Gidget's here. They're arguing about some surfing shit. I don't know. Gidget and Johnny have a a hate-hate relationship. Not unlike Dylan and myself. Gidget! Um, I'm Gidget. No, you're not. You're you're, you're Johnny. Um, I'm not saying I'm Gidget, but but you're definitely Johnny. Um... (laughs) 
So we learned that the the big swell season party is at Chili's house, which is awesome. He has like a house on the beach, all alone, literally on the beach, all by itself. And he's hosting like what looks like a very cool party, which, again, I don't understand how he's supposed to be like the Seth Cohen of Newport Union when he's having this fucking badass party. But, you know, it is what it is. This actually made me think, like, how does the Dawn Patrol party rate to other OC parties? Because we have like the Dawn Patrol party, the uh, the, the first six episode, kegs, six crazy. Yeah, well, the there six, were six, six crazy honeys. honeys and there was the cocaine party from episode one. Is this better than Six Kicks Crazy Honeys? I think it's not as good as the Newport party from the pilot episode, but it's better than the Long Beach party. Six Kicks Crazy Honeys. I agree. I agree. So we're at Chili's house. They're having a big party. Johnny and Marissa are getting very handsy and flirty. This was such a cringy scene where Marissa's in Chili's bedroom and she finds the old photo of them. And like they start like getting very touchy with each other he's like trying to hide the photo from her and it's mm-hmm. I, and like summer's watching them do this and i was like why did this scene go on for so long it went on and on and on yeah a lot of awkward like arms being thrown and she's you she's using like it's it's too much it's too much yes that's it, that's it. i agree i do i literally wrote oh god this is so cringe summer spying on them <laughs> taylor has confiscated seth's phone at this point summer and ryan are both not at the lock-in um sets there alone with taylor watching her getting demeaned by her mom and uh at this point i'm like no one gives a shit about this lock-in like for some reason Seth's taking it so seriously but like no one cares the, i mean the dawn patrol party looked like way more fun than the lock-in but still i think the lock-in could have been nice under Did the dawn patrol the party right have pizza though <laughs> Um, so in this scene, my heart kind of breaks for Casey. Yeah. Really? Like, we've all felt her pain before. Like, whenever you're crushing on someone and you can kind of see them, they're like, like they're close dating. They're dating else. in a relationship. But, I mean, if you, like, she's over there and she's seeing him getting, like, very intimate with Marissa just in the way that they're talking. And she can, like, feel the pheromones on them. I mean, I feel like we've all kind of been there before and felt her pain, you know? Not I'm really once. trying to think if I've ever been in Never. that situation. And I don't think I have. I mean, I've had, I, cr- oh. I have had crushes on people who I've watched pursue other people but i've never had someone that i'm in a relationship with openly flirting with someone else right in front of me oh i don't i mean i haven't had that either that's a good point what about like i think (laughs) more harsh i I think i know the vibe you're going for and chelsea are you talking about like the vibe where someone you're with kind of starts drifting away a little bit and you can literally feel it happening yeah exactly so i mean i think that she reacted to it (laughs) <laughs> kind of pedal to the metal. Oh, but yeah. I mean, I think that you can kind of feel that that uh, sense of helplessness that she was feeling. Summer sees, this is a little confusing, but it makes sense if you're watching the episode. Summer sees Johnny and Casey together again. So then she decides, oh shit, I've overreacted. Everything's fine. There's nothing going on with Marissa and Johnny. So she calls Seth to let him know that too late. Ryan's already at the party. He's come Uh-oh. to beat, he's oh, come God. to beat somebody up. I did like this interaction between summer and ryan though where summer basically says like i'm sorry i meddled i hope that you know everything's okay let's get out of here before marissa sees you and then marissa shows up and he's they they he improvises within the show he goes like oh i came to pick up summer because she's low on gas 
So it's a good lie. It's a great lie, especially for Ryan, who has no improvising skills at all. Marissa then talks to Ryan about Johnny. Basically, she's saying to him, Johnny understands me. He knows what I'm going through. And you just want to pretend like you did it didn't even happen and ryan is very quick to deflect to to be like well there's nothing i can do about it and it's like all right dude you need to fucking calm down <laughs> like chill out calm tf down i agree well, they so they get into an argument ryan's leaving summer stops him and says please fix things with marissa or else i'm gonna feel like shit johnny even says to marissa hey you need to fix things with ryan or else you're gonna feel like shit which i think at that point johnny was kind of being sincere like i think he cared about marissa and ryan getting not necessarily getting back together, but at least being on good terms so that she's not being a downer all night. Yeah. So Marissa goes to Chili's room to call Ryan, even though he hasn't even left yet. He's literally still there, as we see in the next scene when they're all together. But she goes to the next room to call Ryan, and when she opens the door, it's Casey and Gidget so making hot. out on the bed. Casey He's- and Gidget a great band name he is so hot dude like Like, you could literally beautiful you could eat a crab and brie frilo like off of his chest he is so hot i mean he was hot as a vampire dude and he had like a he had like white face on like really really white powder all over because you should never do white face Never go full whiteface. It was not good. I mean, they were like cloud white in Twilight. They yeah, backed it, was it up bad. after the in the second and third uh, ep- movies because they were like, "Ooh, we went a little too hard." They look like mine. Wait, did you say Twilight? I did. Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> he had like a ponytail and he didn't wear shoes in Twilight, also, and he was still so it's hot. A white gidget. Uh oh. Right, you're still here. We got you, Chelsea. Okay. Um, so Gidget and Casey. She's so basically Casey has cheated on Johnny with Gidget, and we. She later explains it as, "I can see what's happening here, Marissa. He's clearly in love with you, so I'm gonna go be with this very attractive guy instead." Which makes total sense. If you could be with yeah. Gidget or Johnny, Gidget a hundred times out of a hundred, obviously. How many people need to tell Marissa that Johnny is into her? I was thinking about that. That like, like, like Marissa's so quick to be like, "No, no, he's not." He like has a the girlfriend, girl, or like, the girlfriend is even saying it now, right? But especially knowing what she's gone through with Oliver in the past, where everyone was saying he's into you, and she's like, "No, he's not." Oh, he literally is gonna kill me. Okay, great. Yeah, that's odd that she's not a little bit more receptive to it. I don't think that she's into Johnny. Am I wrong? Uh, I think she's. I think she's into the chase. To be honest, I think she's. I think she feels bonded to him because they kind of share traumas that others can't relate to i think they have like an intimate emotional connection that she doesn't have with ryan but i don't think she's attracted to him in the way that she is to ryan i feel like that yeah that makes sense the biggest problem is with all of these guys is marissa is going to them to get something that she can't get from ryan it's not like a oh he's kind of cute i think i'm going to see what's going on here it's like she's seeking these guys out and latching on to them specifically because they provide her with something emotionally that ryan does not that's kind of why i yeah, consider it that makes sense consider it like super not good because i think as we've said on this podcast before you know there's an argument to be made that an emotional affair um, or emotional infidelity is almost as bad as physical infidelity. Do you consider this emotional infidelity mm. on Marissa's part? Not yet. Okay. Something that I was going to bring up last, that I thought about last week, but I completely forgot about, um, which doesn't really matter now. But I think it's really interesting that when it came to Marissa and her dad, we complained about like how much her dad didn't give a fuck about 
anything but himself lately at least like he was so focused on himself he put Mm -hmm. his debt problems over everything meanwhile Mm -hmm. we when we criticize him for that but meanwhile we also criticize ryan for being the total opposite and like being too involved and getting too involved with marissa's life and it just feels like there are two ends of the spectrum and it's her dad Mm -hmm. and ryan the two most important men in her life and like that's kind of to me it's like no wonder like she's like kind of fucked up because they neither of them can just like meet her in the middle but yeah give give her appropriate boundaries but also give her appropriate support there's now we're back at the we're back at chili's house um johnny's clearly obviously bummed out that his girlfriend cheated on him with a very hot man um chili is there summer's there ryan's there marissa's there that's when casey comes over and says like i want to talk to johnny here's what's going on he's clearly in love with you marissa we never see what happens at the end of that like casey just leaves or what but we do see that johnny apparently just disappeared he like walked into the bathroom or something and jumped out the window he's going after he's going after gidget never go question gidget question for you for you guys the next the next scene we have here is Taylor with Seth at the lock-in. The whole school is already there. She's already starting things. They're sitting on the bleachers. She's making announcements. But then she also says, like, they, Ryan and Summer better be here in the next 20 minutes before that door locks. And I'm like, the lock-in doesn't start for another 20 minutes, yet everyone is already there on the bleachers. And she's got a microphone, like, yeah. handing out shit. Like, Well, and it's just, like, such an arbitrary rule. Like, she's they could just unlock the door and let them in. And there are like, no chaperones. Punitive. There are no chaperones. And there's so much <laughs> emphasis placed on them getting signed in to some magical sign-in sheet. Like, I, I, this, again, didn't <laughs> fully make sense to me. It just... It did not make sense as much as it was just dumb, I guess. I was, I was just going to say, there are two things about this whole sequence at the lock-in that are probably my favorite parts of the episode. Um, first one is when Taylor starts suggesting trust falls and to get with a buddy. And she says, or like, you know, buddy up with someone you don't know, or even someone of a different race. That <laughs> was weird. Oh my gosh. Can, um, I, can I go ahead, Chelsea? Oh no, I just laughing at that. Wait, Dylan, I want to stop you because I feel like I know what your second thing is and I would like <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, you do. I obviously. Yeah, obviously. I this guy. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. He was whatever Dylan's award was for like the going for it award. What was it? It's it's the uh, the big break award. The big break award belongs to this guy at the lock-in. <laughs> the Taylor Townsend sucks guy. Yeah, where he has three. These are my notes verbatim. He yells at her, "You're a loser." He yells at her, "Taylor Townsend sucks," and then he yells at Seth. You were all geek at Camp Geek. And I wrote, this guy's having the best night of his, of his life. He is killing it. The crowd is going wild. He's great, man. That dude has big alien ant farm energy, and I love it. The guy had go big Danny energy if he went toxic. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, like Taylor's trying to talk to everyone 20 minutes before the lock-in starts. I don't know. She's getting yelled at. So they they literally throw a shoe at her like she's baby and or George W. Bush. Um, in nuclear. Who threw this raggedy-ass Adidas? But Seth steps in and, like, takes the brunt of the punishment for her because he feels bad for her. He knows that she has a shitty mom, but also I feel like he's trying to get into her good graces so that Ryan and Summer don't get in trouble for not being at the lock-in. Johnny confronts Gidget. We're back at the beach. Johnny confronts Gidget. Ryan saves him. Ryan punches Gidget in the face. I just wrote, the seeds have now been planted for you-know-what. Yep. Well, I think these episodes are kind of, it's a little bit tragic just because I think Ryan and Johnny legitimately could have been friends and it could have been just a nice, like, member of the crew if they decided to take it in that direction. And it is kind of notable that Johnny 
kind of brings out Ryan's more gentle side. Like, you know, they have those conversations in the diner that mm. he seems to emote a little bit more than he does with Seth. With Seth, he kind of just gives him glares. Um, and then also we see that Johnny brings out a protective side in Ryan, too. So it's kind of a bummer that they uh, both, you know, have Marissa in common that they're both in love with. So that's actually a question that I had. And I guess it's kind of like my last kids storyline question. And at the end, when you have Summer and Marissa walking up to the diner and like Summer says something like, well, it's going to get complicated or, you know, some kind of line like that. But Marissa looks upset that Ryan and Johnny are getting closer. I thought that I missed something there because I I saw that as well. So Ryan and Johnny like debrief at the diner after Ryan punches Gidget. And like Summer is telling her like things are about to get really complicated for you, even though Marissa swears that there's nothing happening with her and Johnny and yeah. Marissa does look upset that they're like hanging out together which I, I don't understand yet. If Marissa is mm-hmm. truly believing that there's nothing happening with her and Johnny, she, I feel like she would love for Ryan and Johnny to be friends, right? Yeah, she, I mean she wanted yeah, jo- she totally. wanted Oliver and Ryan to be friends. Mm-hmm. It's so, so much of these two episodes either don't make sense or we did not pay close enough attention to them. Could be either one. Maybe Johnny <laughs> called, called Sandy off camera yeah, and, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he told her. He told Sandy about Ta- Taylor's relationship with the dean. It's a whole thing. And Gidget. Um, yeah, well, about Chili's I mean, dad, the I, dean. I think this all ties it back to: Do we think that this season is when it jumped the shark? Was the moment that it jumped the shark uh, th- when Marissa shot Trey? Like, what what is going on with the quality of these episodes? Because it feels like uh, with. Seth and Summer, it was too convoluted of a storyline. And then it seems like with Johnny and Marissa and Ryan's little love triangle, it's almost too subtle of one. You're a little bit unsure how Marissa feels and um, how Johnny is feeling at what point in time. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, we're going to get into this. I mean, I guess we it's, it's, it's an old show. We can talk about what happens in the future here. But, like, to me, mm-hmm. the Marissa Trey thing was okay. Like, that was a fine... Yeah. thing to do within the context of the show as far as her shooting him I mean because like I said we almost course corrected last episode where it's like now we've moved back into normal teen drama territory like how are we going to go to college like all this stuff yeah. to mm-hmm. me it jumped the shark whenever Johnny jumps the cliff and kills himself <laughs> to me that was the point yeah. of no return do you know yeah. where, do you know where jumping the shark comes from yes uh, happy days yep yeah mm-hmm. Fonzie. Fonzie jumps over a shark <laughs> Thank you guys are smart I have yeah, no I was purpose. gonna say. I like, feel like this is a pretty skiing. commonly known thing that Dylan thought he was really gonna stump <laughs> us with. Dude, I was sitting. Oh I actually gosh. had to. Look, I, okay, for what it's worth, <laughs> I actually had to look it up, and I, I you still outsmarted me. But Ryan, you'll be happy to know that I have one note for the adult storyline. Yeah. So the only other thing that happened here is that Taylor thanks Seth for helping her. She signs in Summer and Ryan to the sign-in sheet, but it's like now we mm. know it's to keep Seth all to herself because she also locks Summer out of the building. So we know that now maybe there's something going on with Taylor and Seth, at least on Taylor's side of things. All right, quickly, the adults. Kiki and Sandy have the house to themselves for the first time in a long time, which it really had to think about that, like, Kirsten's been gone forever, but then whenever she came back, Ryan was living with them because, or staying with them during the day at least, because he was being homeschooled. But now he's back at school, so this is the first time that Kiki and Sandy have had Kiki, Kirsten, and Sandy have had the house to themselves in a very long time. Um, Sandy tells her he's got a, a buyer for the Newport group lined up, um, so that's a whole thing. Charlotte and Julie. That's are my having... note, by the way. What my note is that finally, at long last, Sandy admits what he does for a living and what he has been doing. 
He admits that he basically shut down his law practice to deal to with, deal the, with Newport the Newport group, group full time. Yeah. That's his job. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was much later in my notes, but yes, you are correct. He does say that, and I'm glad that it was addressed. Charlotte and Julie are having a uh, a room a roomy lunch. Um, Charlotte wants to throw a housewarming party for Julie, and Julie's like, no. And she's like, yeah, we should do it. And also, let's get Kirsten involved for some reason. I don't fully understand all this. We'll get to it. Um, Sandy is selling the Newport group. I wrote, it's Matt Ramsey season, baby. Uh, Sandy wants the Martinson complex to remain in place. But the guy that he's selling it to is some guy named, Will- is some guy named Williams. And Williams like associate is Matt Ramsey and uh, Williams says, yeah, sure, whatever. But Sandy knows there's some bullshit afoot. Uh, Julie and Charlotte rope Kirsten into throwing a party into cosign. Like, I don't know what they needed from Kirsten. Cause they didn't ask her for money yet. They were like, we just want to put your name on the invite. Kirsten's afraid of drinking. She doesn't want to be around the noobsies. I don't know why she's, Julie is also drinking. I don't know why <laughs> she, way to put it. <laughs> she is. Um, I don't know why Julie is also so adamant about getting Kirsten involved at this point. It didn't really make sense to me. Um, Charlotte manipulates Kirsten by using Julie's misfortune against her. And she says, quote, do it for your friend. She needs you. And I was like, God, Ouch. this is so hard to watch. Because Julie, I mean, because Charlotte is terrible at this manipulation shit. Yet, and yet everyone goes along with everything she says. Um, Sandy invites Matt to a one-on-one like it's The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> Matt lets him know that he should not trust the Williams guy and matt narks on him and tells him he probably will turn her down the martinson complex matt pitches sandy an insane idea of how about you and i just run this entire business that used to be at least 50 employees you and i can just do it together well and that's so crazy because they've you know they referred to caleb as the donald trump of the west coast so like this is a big ass operation and they probably are leveraged in all kinds of different ways. And Sandy's just like, Oh, I can fix this. Me and this kid, this 26 year old. I know that they do eventually hire a small staff because they also have to lay them off at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, it's a small staff of like 10 people. I don't know how any of this stuff works. Um, Matt Ramsey, 26 handsome, looks kind of like Zach acts kind of like zach julie discovers all of charlotte's fake ids and credit cards when they're going to lunch so she knows there's some bullshit afoot now as well she confronts charlotte and charlotte basically says you know why don't you help me scam kirsten and julie had a great line where she goes are you drinking again (laughs) that was so good that was pretty good uh she says i'm not gonna do that i'm not a criminal and i was like did is she is julie not a criminal has she not done anything illegal so far because uh, anyway, she tried. She tried to kill. She was going to kill Caleb. Yeah. She didn't attempt to. She stopped herself. So she she was going to kill Caleb, but then she didn't. So has she? Is she truly not a criminal? That was some. That was like enlightening for me. I think you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> huh. so Julie isn't a criminal, so she's not going to help uh, Charlotte. Um, but then Charlotte talks her into it anyway. This is why I wrote Charlotte's so bad at this. Why do people keep believing her and going along with her dumb plans? But they do. That had to be so unnerving for Julie to open up that wallet and see all those IDs. Just like, you know, when you get hard news like that and you're somewhere public and you just don't really know how to process or, you know, contain the look on your face. I mean, I think part of her thought there was a good reason for it, which is why she gave her like the option to tell her i don't know i agree um Mm -hmm. she ended up paying that bill with cash which i didn't even know julie had cash at this point but she does she has all that cash because she pawned her ring did she pawn her ring that's right because she kept looking at it she yeah well and she had that whole uh purse full of cash which is what she was going to pay the down payment for that oh my god that i didn't even put that together i remember she was looking at the ring when she was looking at the um the pamphlet about the condo 
But I didn't know that she actually pawned the ring. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Because I know Charlotte, I thought Charlotte made a mention of her pawning the ring as like, you could or should pawn that ring. But I didn't know she actually did. Great catch, Chelsea. She she pawned it off Mm -hmm. screen with Sandy. So this is when I wrote that Sandy told Kirsten that he shut down his law practice to deal with the Newport group mm-hmm. stuff full time. Like that's his full time thing. It's I don't 40 think he's getting paid. He has a conversation with Kirsten about, well, I think I might keep it going and restart it with this 26 year old handsome kid. And he wants to make sure that she's okay with it. Kirsten says she's cool with it. She is on board with it. She says that she is out of the woods when it comes to drinking and dealing Ooh. with her dad stuff. Shout out Taylor Swift. Some of my favorite songs by her. Um, the last thing we see with them is Matt and Sandy celebrating the fact that they're about to go into business together. Not unlike Sandy and Jimmy did when they went into business together. I feel like they see exact same scene where they were just getting drunk together. Uh-oh, um, but, but this time it's Matt and Sandy and they're taking shots at Patron. Sandy basically says, you better take this shit seriously. You're a kid. Don't fuck me up. And there's like, okay, let's drink some shots. And then they do. Mazel tov. That's the end of the episode. Dude. That was yeah. record time. It was not at, at all. Maybe I went way over. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you were right on time. The first episode, <laughs> Dilla Bustard. <laughs> That's right. That was more That was more of a Dylan problem. Um, I can find 15 minutes to edit out of it. I'm trying to keep them under 90 minutes. I feel like that's a, a goal of mine. We'll see how this one goes. Anyway, uh, yeah. that's it for... Well, there's a lot of times that I said so you can take all of those, all <laughs> that time say out. 15 minutes worth of time. <laughs> yeah, she just sat there and said it over and over and over. Uh, her eyes rolled also, back also, in her head. Also, I bleeped it out. It would sound like you said something way worse, which oh, would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I've done that to you before. I know you don't listen, but... <laughs> I listen to all of them. I fall asleep to listening to us, actually. It's very soothing. I I fall asleep listening to Dylan talk here in real life on Zoom. It's great. That's why why I'm the perfect (laughs) person right now for Leslie to feel relaxed is I just start talking about Gidget. You have a very soothing voice, I will say, Dylan. Thank you. You're going to be a great bedtime story reader. Heck, yeah. I'm reading the child Paradise Lost right now. Oh, my God. I'm reading it into into (laughs) Leslie's belly button. Sure. Do you really read like it's a, a book like it's to an the baby? old school phone? Yes. And then across the darkness visible. No, I I don't. We actually she does have little okay. air air airbot airpod things to stick on her stomach. Um, I would we, stick I would stick music on my stomach, but I I don't think it, it would have to be like a book I was already reading because if I just had to sit there while Alex read a book that I wasn't interested in, like to mm-hmm. the baby, and I couldn't watch TV or anything, I think I'd get really pissed. <laughs> so. St- Everyone, um, make sure that you email me ideas for books to read my unborn child. But Dylan's uh, going to connect his You should read it Twilight. Oh, yeah. Midnight Actually, Sun. A, oh, my God. Please read your child Twilight. Also, no, you're just going to be like Red Dead Redemption no. through the headphones on read your wife's belly. Read it Breaking Dawn because that's all about birthing a baby, but it's like a demon baby. Dawn oh, Patrol. So, breaking yeah. Dawn Patrol. The baby's going to be born wondering what happened in Blackwater. It's going to be great. God, okay, oh too many things happening at once. Hey, um, that's it for this week's episode. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us how bad we were at this, you can <laughs> reach out. And by us, I mean Dylan and I. Chelsea kills it on her recaps. Uh, you can reach us online. We are on Instagram at CoinsPod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D, on Instagram. Or you can email us, CoinsPod at gmail.com. Dylan, what else could they do? I'm going to just be real straight with y'all. Here's what you got to do. You got to get on uh, Apple Podcasts. You got to write us a review and you got to give us five stars and you got to send this, uh, send the request to 10 of your friends before midnight. If you do, your crush will kiss you. If you do not, (laughs) Bloody Mary will come out of the mirror and uh, 
take over your take over your life in a waking nightmare. So Shane, just those ratings and reviews. Chain letter reviews are something we should start. I'm into this. That's it for us this week. We'll be back next week to cover episodes. I believe it will be seven, seven and eight. eight. Seven and eight of season three. God, Almost only, through. only, yeah, no, only what eighteen more to get through after that or something. We're uh, it. We're getting there. Chelsea, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. Perfect. Bye. Bye, guys.